Ladies and gentlemen, how do you are listening to the Synapse Films Podcast, a journey into the world of Synapse Films. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. Susie Banyan decided to perfect her ballet studies in the most famous school of dance in Europe. The killer is coming. The killer's gonna get you. I'm just crazy about this store. I've been expecting you. You thought underneath was a heavy metal band. <laughs> Don't drink my flavor. Welcome to the Synapse Films Podcast. I am Timo Sabin. Some folks in the horror community know me as Timo. I will be your host on this journey into all things Synapse Films. Greetings, friends, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. In this episode, we will be checking in with Synapse Films co-owner, Mr. Jerry Chandler, and we'll be talking once again with Ryan Rollson, a.k.a. Ryan Olson. Ryan and I will be discussing the recent release of Black Circle, starring Christina Lindbergh. We also have a special visit with Synapse Films Road Warrior extraordinaire, the Canadian crusher himself, Sean Provo. But before all that, I wanted to mention a few things. First of all, I'm sure by now you have heard, and if you have not, you'll be glad to hear uh, that it has been recently announced that Synapse Films, along with Red Shirt Pictures, will soon be releasing the 1986 rock and roll heavy metal horror movie classic, Trick or Treat. It has been a very, very long time coming for this movie to be released onto physical media, and we are proud to say that we will be a part of that release. A couple of release dates uh, also coming up for some new releases. Um, July 11th, release date for the Christopher Walken film, McBain. Also, September 26th is the release date for the standard 4K Blu-ray combo edition of Tenebrae. Also, don't forget, go to synapsefilms.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and sign up for the newsletter so you can stay up to date on all the news coming out of Synapse Films. And now let's check in with Synapse Films co-owner, Mr. Jerry Chandler. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Tim. What's happening? Lots of stuff is happening. Lots of stuff is happening in the Synapse camp. And uh, I've been looking forward to talking to you about some of this stuff. First up, um, Synapse has been on the road the early this early convention season, I guess, the springtime convention season. And uh, let's see, we've had uh, the Oddity Show that was in Michigan, Cinema Wasteland, Astronomicon, Horror Hound, uh, Motor City Legacy. There's been a lot of shows, Jerry, <laughs> a lot of shows. Uh, have you been enjoying them or are they exhausting you yet? Well, here's the thing. You know, and I'm speaking very seriously now, you know, Don and I, we've been doing this for a very long time. And, you know, I hate to say it, but we're, we're definitely getting older. 
So, you know, it's harder to do this kind of stuff and everything. And, and so we decided this year, because we're getting older and it's getting harder, uh, that we are going to do a hundred times the number of shows we normally do. <laughs> right. It makes sense. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I mean, what do you do if you can't sleep or you're not getting enough sleep, give up sleep. <laughs> right, right. If I can't get any rest, if I have to work seven days a week, let's just tack a few more weeks on. <laughs> right. Right. Who needs rest? Right. <laughs> uh, Hey, let me ask you a question about uh, now. This is something that I and I'm I'm being serious now too. The oddity show. I have never been to a um, an oddity show per se. Uh, what kind of other vendors? What do they sell at these things? Well, to you know, okay. So this was the first one I went to, and it was in Monroe, Michigan. And, and the first thing I noticed was. You know, it wasn't really a show show. In other words, there were no people there signing autographs. It was nothing but vendors. Uh, so to me, it was more like an oddities flea market than a show, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. Right. Because, you know, people come in, they wander around, and there's nothing to distract them from looking at stuff. And, and we did okay. I mean, we didn't do great. Mm-hmm. It was a two-day show, and... Uh, the vendors there were pretty much the some of the same vendors you always see, but but pretty much the ones that sell oddities, mm-hmm. the creatures in jars, the odd art made out of bones, you know, all this kind of stuff that we see at Cinema Wasteland or Horror Hound or wherever. But it was all those guys. I was the only movie guy. And, uh, you know, and it was very, very, very slow. But people wandered in all day long on Saturday and Sunday. And, you know, occasionally they'd stop and buy something. So it was kind of nice. Uh, we did we did okay. Like I said, it was nothing to write home about. But it was a, a pretty easy show to do. Um, it's funny, uh, you know, uh, Sean and Carol dipped into their edibles a little bit too heavily on Saturday <laughs> afternoon. And so, you know, uh, Noah, Noah and I were watching the two of them in horror for about four hours on Saturday, wondering what they were going to do and say next. <laughs> they were the oddities at your table, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, if you want to do one of those credit card commercials, you know, a few tables at the oddity show, $250, you know, the, you know, food and, and gas, another $200 to sit and watch Carol and Sean going absolutely insane off the deep end from eating too way too many edibles. It was like uh 20 milligrams, I think, did them in. Uh-huh. Uh, that's priceless for sure. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, that was definitely the highlight of the weekend. <laughs> right. But the guy who put on the show was his first show, and it was, he was very accommodating. I don't remember his name, but he was a nice young man, and uh, I wish him all the best. And if they have it again next year, we'll, we'll pop down next year, too. Because it's it's local for us, you know. One show that uh, historically, for years and years, I have seen you and Don and the rest of the Synapse crew, even before I was doing the show, was Horror Hound in Cincinnati. So how did you enjoy Horror Hound? Unfortunately, I was also present at that show, so that can also dampen uh, the weekend for you. 
because I can be a pain in the ass. <laughs> but <laughs> besides that, what how do you mean you can be a pain in the ass? <laughs> oh, what is this qualification? <laughs> Anyways, when you brought up that that horror hound, of course, I got a big smile on my face that mm. nobody can see. Mm. And the reason is, is because of the five shows we've done already this year, that show was great for us. Mm. I mean, uh, it seems like we got a lot of friends in Cincinnati and Ohio in general, because mm -hmm. any show we do in Ohio, we do better there than we do anywhere else. So we love Ohio mm -hmm. and we love the people from Ohio. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we did really, really well there. And of course, those guys have it down to an art. They're the most personable people on the circuit, Nathan and Aaron and all the people that work for them are, are wonderful. We love them. I've said that a million times. So it was, you know, it was just a really nice show. They had a, a, a huge amount of fans, huge amounts uh, to the point where, you know, if you're at your table and you wanted to run back to your room for something, you would get out to the hall, see it was basically impassable. And you would end up going back to your table because you didn't want to miss anything. <laughs> you right, know? Right. And it's funny because they had, uh, that hotel had a ceiling problem too, where the rain was coming in and a bunch of people, right. they moved, right. they moved them out to the hallway. And I remember seeing Joel Robinson there, yep. our, our friend, Joel Robinson. Yeah. And, uh, who incidentally, did the cover of invaluable for us. And he, he's done another cover. He just turned it into me the other day. And I don't know, I, I would like to mention this. Uh, we're doing this, uh, Blake Eckerd small DVD set. And uh -huh. if you, if you remember to ask me later, I'd like to talk about that. But in the meantime, so Joel is out in, the hallway with his tables and his wife and his beautiful little daughter. And I think uh, older woman, but it, that may be his mother-in-law. Mm -hmm. Now I've known Joel for probably 20 years. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. He never had two seconds the entire weekend because <laughs> he was out in that hallway and there were so many people out there. I'd say by Saturday morning, he was already selling out of stuff. It was crazy, and I felt really good for him, so that, that was great. But, man, what a show. Those guys really know what they're doing. And I know they're doing, a, I think, a Halloween show out in California for the first time in L.A., and we would love to go. It's just too much for two old fogies like Don and I. Yeah, yeah, that's a haul. That's a haul, especially to get all your product out there. Yeah, you know. Actually, uh, we, had, uh, we had fun, too. I had my first hibachi grill experience with you guys there at, at Horon. I've had my first dining experiences at a, a few times with you guys uh, out and about, but uh, that was uh, very nice too. Uh, well, I was, Tim, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll just throw this in there. If there's one thing Don and I are both good at, it's eating. <laughs> right, right. I mean, we've been doing it for years, and we're very good at it. Um, so, yeah, we know all the best spots and all the good stuff. And, uh, oh, yeah. So if you stick with us, young Timothy, we'll, uh, we'll, we have such sights to show you. Well, so far, so good. And by good, I mean yummy. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, again, speaking of Horround, and you mentioned Ohio. Uh, uh -huh. Wasteland, Cinema Wasteland. Uh, you, you went know, to that spring show. Uh, it's funny. Can can cinema be, can cinema Wasteland be on the comeback? 
And what I mean is, is, you know, there was a time when you would look forward to that show because of all the partying and a thousand people out in front of the hotel and whatever. And it, it's, you know, the hotel has changed ownership over the years a couple times and it's, it seems to be going downhill, but that's of course not the fault of Ken and Pam, the people who put on the show and the show is always great. Right. But what I noticed this time is there seemed to be a lot more people standing around and partying at night. So I, I think it's it's coming back, you know. Um, I mean, again, they don't get a billion customers through the door, but they don't have to because everybody who walks through that door is a huge fan. And uh, like I said, it's you know we wouldn't miss uh, Cinema Wasteland for the world. Well, they've been doing it forever, so they definitely are doing something right. And people really love. The, I don't know anyone who doesn't love that show. Right, I don't know right. anyone. The only people who don't There's love no it. There's reason not to love it. You well, know? the only people who don't love are the people that are yearning to go. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, they that's get a angry. Fact. Yeah, they get angry because there's a waiting list, but uh, you know it's not a huge venue, so right. you can't shoehorn in a hundred thousand people. Right. But I did notice a lot of new vendors at this show. So if you, if anyone out there is listening, and they're on the Cinema Wasteland vendor list, uh, the waiting list, don't give up hope because the list does move. People drop in, out, and new people come in. So we saw a lot of it. Um, let's see. And then, uh, last and not least, of course, because I made my way, Angie and myself made our way up to Michigan, spent the week, uh, helping out at with Synapse, uh, helping out, uh, Noah going to, uh, looking at antique stores, had a good time up there with you. And we ended the week with Motor City Legacy Con in, uh, the Detroit area. Yeah, I want to say something about that. You know, to anybody in this area or in the Toledo, Ohio area, or anybody who would want to come to Detroit for a show, this Motor City Legacy, this kid, uh, Tracy, who puts on the show, you know, he's wonderful. One of the nicest people. He cares so much. And the attendance at this show was down from his first show last year. And and he puts on a great show and it was inexpensive and there were tons of vendors and it was a lot of fun. And he, you know, he's one of those guys where he had his people go by the the vendor table saying, Hey, do you guys need some water? Do you need anything? I mean, it was really, really, really nice, but hardly anybody came to the, the show this year and come on folks, do you want to overpay and go and see the same old people that you see every single time. You know, this Tracy tried to bring in some new people. He had Mick Garris, who was, from what I hear, he was signing autographs for free. He had other interesting people, and I just can't understand why people didn't go down, or more people didn't go down. But, but the few that came, we did very well, and I told Tracy, you know, he was... Uh, he was very apologetic on Sunday. I said, don't you apologize. Put us down for next year. We want to be the first people that signed up for your next show. And he goes, well, I'll look at it. He goes, I don't know if I'll be able to do another show after this one. Because, you know, I'm sure he lost some money. 
And, you know, listen, if you guys want to, if the fans just all they want to care about is, you know, multimedia shows or just like, eh, you know, average shows they go to because they've been there for years, it's going to cost them an opportunity of, of really something special. And I, I think this Tracy guy who, who puts on Motor City Legacy, he really knows what he's doing. He's a very friendly nice person and look i'm gonna support him as long as he is going to try and do shows because i like people like that we 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 don't really support the people that we we find to be rude or annoying right right (laughs) so you can figure out which shows we don't do (laughs) you know right yeah because we do a lot of shows (laughs) yeah you know it's frustrating because for me because i i like Horror Hound used to be a small show when it started. And I loved it. Now, I, I applaud their success. I really do. I'm so impressed with how well they've done. But I do lament the intimacy when it was small. And and when I when I go to a show like Motor City Legacy, that's that intimacy again. And you just want a couple hundred more people there. And I'm sure, I'm sure the promoter as well, as you're saying, the very nice gentleman was also wanting a few more people, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, but I I'll do just say yeah. this: look, if you guys, you know, if people like a nice restaurant, they better go out and eat there, right? Because if you don't, the restaurant closes and it's gone. And when it's gone, it's gone. Here's a really, you know, he's a young guy. He's enthusiastic, and he's putting on a really nice horror show. And he isn't pricing the vendors out. He isn't being rude, speaking rudely to the vendors or the guests or anything, you know, and it was a really nice show and it was way less expensive than some of the other ones and stuff. If you want to have cool things like that, you got to you got to partake. You got to go in and and drop 20 bucks at the door and go inside. I think that's all he was charged in 2025, something Mm, like that. Right, right. But everybody who came sure had a smile on their face. Oh, sure, yeah. I like to give a special little shout out to, and I, you got to forgive me. I wasn't that prepared for this. It just kind of popped in my memory, so I don't have his business card in front of me or anything. But the gumball guy, this guy was taking gumball machines that you would see like in the old days, like in the uh, you know grocery stores where you put a quarter in or something, and he was making these horror themed. Gumball things. Gumball machines. You know, that was one of the coolest things I saw at that show. And the thing is, they weren't priced like crazy. They were reasonably priced. Yes. I, I just, yeah, you know, we're actually thinking, you know, when I started talking to him about it, he said, yeah, we could do a Synapse gumball machine. And here's where you buy gumballs. And if you want to pay a few pennies more, you could get green ones or with your name stamped on them. And right. You know, it just seemed really like a, a fun little idea to do. I mean, it's one more thing for us to schlep around, but <laughs> right, right. But it, it's a it is a fun idea, and man, what a nice guy! And that was the thing I liked about that show. There was a sense of community. There was everyone was very friendly to each other. There wasn't any, and that's what I liked about it. There wasn't any drama. It didn't seem like there was any drama, and there was potential drama everywhere, especially when you have a show that might be attended a little lower than you're hoping. The opportunity for drama is endless, and I'm sure the promoter went through some behind the scenes at some point because it just happens at every show, no matter how good it is. I didn't sense any of it, and I thought we were we were all very comfortable and relaxed 
all weekend. Um, I saw my, I wanted to give a special shout out. I saw my old professional wrestler friend, Rhino. He was set up right across from us. And I like to say hello to Rhino. And it was, uh, it was good to see him. He is a horror fan as well. And he's someone that I certainly never want to mess with. So, well, right. we mess with each other, but I will only take it so far. <laughs> I, I, I know what you mean. Believe yeah. me, I've seen the guy. He's he's not small. No, 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 not at all. Um, but it was also great seeing you. I actually got to see Don a little bit more uh, since he's his he's been a little above the weather as of late. He was feeling a little bit better, so that was nice to see him as well. See you and Noah, and uh, mm-hmm. we got to go antiquing for a little bit. I think next time we're going to have to put more emphasis on the antiquing. Next time we right. we, uh, we come up there, but uh, good time though, very right. good time, and uh, yeah. hit hit our Coney Island, which we enjoy. What's mm-hmm. what's the name of that Coney Island that you go to there? What's the what's the name of it? It's Leo's, and That's there's it. a lot of Leo's Coney Islands around the Detroit area, but specifically, it's the one. If anybody's visiting, it's one of my favorite Coney Islands in the world. Which is like a Michigan kind of diner thing. Uh, They're called Coney Islands here. Mm -hmm. It's at uh, 14 Mile and uh, I-5. And uh, yeah, it's really good. You know, so. Very, very good. So, uh, Jerry, let's talk about, and we don't always do this, but let's talk about some new titles that you got coming up. And uh, first up, though, a couple of new artists. You're going to talk about two artists. It's funny. Um, Somebody responded to your request for artists. One person, uh, Jamie Filer. And then somebody came up to us at one of the shows, and it might have been Astronomicon, a guy named Mike Arago. You know, I sent them each uh, something to work on, which is our impulse stuff, the adult titles, because some of these movies are so old not not just so old, but they were like B and C titles off the the main billboard. So there was never any uh, uh, art done or mm-hmm. anything like that. You bit pretty sometimes. There's no credits, names, right. or anything. So we what we have to do is we have to send a copy of the movie to the artist and let him create something. So they both created something vastly different. Uh, Jamie did uh, Man at the Door. And he did it in a comic book style, and it's just gorgeous. It's, I mean, I mean, it's sleazy. What can I say? And so is the <laughs> right, movie. It's right. just awesome. It just fits it really nice. Mm-hmm. Mike Arago, on the other hand, did a almost like a photo realistic of a woman's body. So it was a very different kind of art, and again, just amazing, just great. So we had very good results. Uh, his movie is uh, Mama's Little Girl. So, yeah, now that we have those arts, we sent them to our, our wraparound guy to put the text on the back and everything, and they're already at the printer now. So we'll have those two movies coming out in the next month or so. Uh, or I don't know if they'll be streeting, but they'll be available from Impulse. Excellent. So everybody keep your eyes on the web, on the Impulse website uh, for those titles coming out with those new artists. Uh, Jerry, let's talk about some of these movies that uh, that uh, you guys are releasing here. Let's, uh, let's start with Invaluable. You know, here's how I met Ryan Mead. 
uh, my daughter, when she graduated college and, and moved home from Savannah, Georgia, uh, the first thing she did, you know, was she got a job on Josh Becker's set for the Western that he shot. And she was the set photographer. And, uh, you know, you know, sometimes she got picked on a little bit, you know, because she was fresh out of school. Everybody else was more experienced in the, in, in filmmaking, you know, movies and stuff like that. So, you know, Ryan would stick up for her and stuff like that. And she told me like, he was the nicest person on the set to her. So turn the clock ahead. And, you know, he, he came to us and said, Hey, you want to put out my movie invaluable? Well, how could I say no? He, he was <laughs> nice to my daughter. Right, you know, right. he was protective. <laughs> right. So I said, absolutely. We'll do it. It ends up being a great little documentary. Mm-hmm. You know, it's on it's on uh, Tom, the guy who did all the artwork for Evil Dead, the original Evil Dead. I know he designed the the that sacrificial knife and the book, the book, and all this stuff. So he had a major influence and a yeah. bunch of other stuff. Yeah, Tom Sullivan so, was basically yeah. like the effects guy. He was he was a guy throwing all that stuff together and creating magic out of whatever he had around exactly. him. It was pretty interesting too, and the story is pretty fascinating about him. Yeah. Right. So we have the, that and we got all these extras that weren't on the original uh, release of it and everything like that. So, you know, I didn't want to just put out an average cover. And when, when you need when you want, you know, when you want somebody to create this beautiful art, you know, our number one guy for that is Wes. When you want somebody to create something with a lot of detail and and, you know, which is what we felt this title needed, we sent it to Joel Robinson Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Joel did the cover for, uh, invaluable. And it's just drop dead. Gorgeous. We love it. Really, really nice. And speaking about Joel, you know, for years, years and years, and actually, if you bring up another movie, there'll be two of these types of stories, but anybody who's a fan of Synapse knows it takes us a long time to get things out. That's, that's why, you know, we don't really announce things too much in advance before they're, you know, when they're still in the early stages. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we do it sometimes. And I think I've talked about uh, the works of Blake Eckerd. You know, he's a Midwestern guy. I believe he's from Missouri. And, you know, I think he's active in the farming community and I, his family, I think, owns a hardware store. And it's, it's this kind of rural kind of person. But he had a passion for filmmaking. And he's made, I think, about six movies. And I love them all. Now, when you watch them, you're not going to see a Hollywood production with boom uh, mics and cranes and all this crap. And forgive me, there might be boom mics and cranes. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> right. It's not. These aren't million dollar productions. Sure. Right. Right. But they're done in a way where you feel like you're sitting somewhere where you shouldn't be. In other words, they're dark stories about bad people. Blake Eckert's movies are slices of the worst aspects of life. I mean, they're they're bad people preying on good people. It happens everywhere, and it 
clearly it must happen in the Midwest. I mean, these are independent films by the purest definition of the word. You know, uh, he he has literally no money. All he's got is talent. The actors are uniformly good. I mean, you literally feel like you're sitting, like I said, somewhere where you shouldn't be. You're in the living room with this guy who's abusing his ex-wife or whatever. You get a very sleazy feel after watching these movies. They're not happy movies because most of the time in life when, when the kind of things that he makes movies about happen, they don't have happy endings. Um, but I felt if a movie can generate an emotion out of you, that says something. Because most movies, you know, I don't feel a, a lot. And a lot of times I feel bored. And uh, his movies are never boring. And it's just, oh, there's something else. So, you know, again, it's going to be an amazing deal for people who want to taste. You know, I picked out two movies. We got them to fit on a DVD. Uh, and there's a uh, there's an extra or two in there, and there's going to be some liner notes and stuff like that. And it's only going to be I don't know nineteen ninety five or twenty four ninety five, something like that. It's got two of his best movies, um, and I would urge everybody to just try it out. I mean, you could spend a lot more on the. 80th version of Halloween, but what are you <laughs> going to get out of that? I mean, these are really cool movies. Right. You know, coming across guys like Blake is like why Don and I, or at least me, why I originally wanted to get involved in this business. My, our idea, and I've, I've mentioned this on podcasts before with you, my idea was let's bring attention to young filmmakers who, who are indie, who don't have a shot and they'll never get noticed on their own. Let's give them a push. And, uh, you know, he's one of those guys. I mean, he should have been making movies. He's got such a sensibility. I mean, so we're going to price it. We are, we're not trying to get rich on this one. We know we won't. We just want to price it low enough where people, want to take a chance and see something really cool let me and ask you again yeah well let me let me ask you real quick and i hate to interrupt but I, I i want to real quick because before we get too far away from it but there's something else you've also said on this podcast and other podcasts as well is that you really love the feel of like the 70s independent type of film like the 1970s that low low micro almost budget stuff that was probably coming out in the drive-ins and the, uh, you know, grindhouses and things. Do you feel that these movies harken back to movies like that? Like those movies? You know, I don't know. Maybe some people will feel like that. To me, it's a little different. These are more like, I don't know how to describe it. When I watch these movies, I don't actually feel like I'm watching a movie. I feel like I'm... It's hard to describe his films, but you're 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 like observing. Uh, I don't know. You're like an invisible observer in the room. I mean, there's not these grandiose plots or anything. It's more like a a slice of life. I mean, uh, coyotes kill for fun. A woman is knows her ex husband just got out of jail and is coming for her. And she literally tries to do whatever she can to avoid 
the outcome she knows is coming. So do you feel like you're sitting in on someone's home movies? Well, home movies implies like a very poorly shot on Super 8 kind of thing. No, not quite. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a documentary. Almost, I'm thinking more like a a documentary without it being a documentary. It's still a movie. So cinema verite in a way. Okay, there you go. Maybe that's the, the term we're looking for. I love it. His movies affect me. So there's four more. And if the, this one sells well enough, we'll go and, and do a, two more on another DVD. These movies should be seen. This guy should be noticed. Mm-hmm. So I got these this DVD, and I really, really want people to see it and take a chance on it. So what I did was I sent the two movies to Joel, and I said, Joel, create me a cover. Joel Robinson. And man, he created us a great cover. I mean, the disc will be worth his cover art alone. So I, again, I urge everybody to take a shot at uh, the Blake Eckerd movies uh, that we're going to put out because they're they're really really cool indie films. And and again, you know, we originally got in the business to to bring popularity and exposure to these young uh, directors and stuff like that. It didn't really work out that way because you sell so few because people don't know the stars. They don't know that the people who made the movies, they're indies and they're just not interested. They want that 400th version of Halloween. Right. They want the movies with the reputation. They don't want the the Freddy stuff and the Jason stuff. And I, you know, there's, there's a place for all that. Right. But there's other stuff in the world too. And if you see it, you'll, you might go, Oh my God, these, you know, this is really cool. So, and and then I'll just wrap it up by saying this. I see, enough sub- submissions and and just awful indie stuff that you know these days if you know we know we're going to lose money on it but if a movie shows so much promise or or a director will we will put his movie on knowing we're going to lose money because we want to stay true to our, that original idea of bringing exposure you can't talk about it you have to do it it's right. not enough to talk about it. You have to put your money where your mouth is and, and actually release some of these things. So everything is done on Blake's project. We got the cover. I think the only thing that's being worked now is the back of the cover, you know, with the text and all this stuff. Oh, right. That's right. all we're waiting on in the printing of the cover. Everything's over at the pressing facility to actually make the discs. So I don't imagine it'll be too long. And also, you know, we'll, you know, if anybody wants it, all they got to do is call in or maybe order it off the website. I don't think we usually wait around for street date, especially on something like this, where it's really probably not going to be in a lot of stores anyways. Right. Well, uh, another movie that's a new release that's really fascinating to me, and you and I have not really talked about this at all. And so I've been kind of saving it for the podcast uh, but the film is called Black Circle, uh, starring Christina Lindbergh, who, of course, you guys have history with and are friends with. Could you talk a little bit about Black Circle? Sure. I mean, it's funny because what you have to do, you have to turn the hands of time back at least 15, almost 20 years. Don and I were with uh, 
a distributor by the name of Ryko. And I think they got bought out by Warner Music and uh, Warner Music started coming down on our content. So the first time they did it, they said, hey, you can't do this anymore. You can't do that. I said to Don, Don was getting upset. I said, don't get upset. There's no point in it. Let's just tell them we're leaving. We're done. And we did. We came in that weekend for a chiller show. This was back when they were in East Rutherford, New Jersey, which is right at the end of the tunnel to New York. So Don was meeting with uh, somebody. He was going out to dinner with somebody that evening, and I didn't feel like going along. So I saw this ad for a movie that was playing at a bar called Rooms for Tourists, and it mm -hmm. was a horror film. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I'll just go into the city and go see that, you know, because it was being put on by our friends at, uh, I think, it's Alternative Cinema, you know, uh, Mike Rosso. So I, I, I show up there and I go in and he says hello to me and he said, hey, you're here to see this. I go, yeah, I don't know anything about it. He goes, just wait. So we go in and we watch it. It's an Argentinian film by an Argentinian director by the name of Adrian Bagliano. So, of course, I thought, you know, I'm not going to go through and, and, and talk about what the movie was about. People can look it up on their own. But I thought it was absolutely brilliant. What a horror film. And it's a kind of horror film that, again, is, is steeped in reality. You know, there's no monsters. It's just these horrifying people. So one way or another, I got a hold of Adrian, and, and Don and I did a deal for those movies to, to do uh, rooms for tourists, watch them die, and I'll never die alone. And I remember we were getting ready to do them, and he flew. He was in Chicago for some reason. He flew into Detroit. We picked him up at the airport in the morning. He sat there. He did three commentaries for us, one after the other. Boom, boom, boom. We took him out to dinner and then back to the airport. I mean, what a guy. And he's done a ton of movies. Of course, we have never put them out yet. Mm -hmm. So this is in the long line of movies we never, <laughs> we've licensed and never put out. Right. But, uh, his movies are great. So he started doing some movies for the IFC. Uh, I forgot the name of it, but he did one where these two old terrorists, they're old men, but they were terrorists in the 70s. Yeah, it's called uh, Cold and Sweat. Cold Sweat, yeah. yeah. he would. <laughs> they would tie up girls and yeah, paint them with movie. nitroglycerin. That's <laughs> yeah, a great movie, yeah. And blow them up. Yeah. And he's done a lot of other little movies like that. So now turn the clock forward to a few years ago, and our friend, you know, we met, Christina through our friend Ricard Granforce, who's like a brother to me. I love that guy. We've I've known him so many years. And uh Ricard sent us an email saying, Hey, you know, I, I think I introduced Adrian to Ricard. I might not have, but I think that's what happened. So again, years later, uh Ricard sends me an email saying, Hey. We're doing a movie in Sweden with with uh, Adrian. Do you guys want in on it? And we said, sure. And we sent them some money and we're executive producers and everything. But we only did that because we're friends with Ricard and Adrian and, and Christina. We didn't know anything about the movie, but we said, yeah, we'll give you some money to help you with it a little bit. 
Well, they sent me the script and it's Adrian's script and it's it's crazy. I mean, you get chills. You get chills reading that script. And the movie's really, really great. So of course, you know, um they licensed it to a company in, in Canada and they did some European licensing. And I said to Ricard, Hey, did you forget about us? <laughs> yeah, actually I did. <laughs> right. So we got uh, the U.S. rights for it and everything. And, of course, I got the Adrian's emails to prove it because I sent one a uh, couple to him, actually. Uh, and he said, of all the versions of this movie, you guys made the nicest version. I mean, our cover's the nicest. We put on a slip cover. Um, we put in the music soundtrack on a separate CD that's mm-hmm. part of the package. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's really great. And it's a scary movie, and it's got Christina Lindbergh in it. So again, it's an indie. It's not super expensive, but it's a, a Adrian Bagliano movie. Which, if people are smart and they know his work, you should flock to grab it. But if you're not, you don't know him. Just buy it because Synapse put it out. We don't put out <laughs> crappy movies. Right. Well, a Cold Sweat is great. Yeah, I mean, it's, they're all great. Yeah, I mean, that's a that was uh, I I love the old guys in the movie. When I love the yeah. villains in a movie, uh, and I mean love them, I love to hate them. Love yeah. to hate them. You know, and a lot yeah. of villains I just hate. Those two old birds, holy cow, I yeah. love those guys. I was rooting for them to succeed than lose. <laughs> so I don't know how many of Adrian's films you've you've seen, but I would defy you to name me one that you didn't like. You can't. Right, right, right. As a matter of fact, I asked him, I said, for I'll Never Die Alone, you know, it's about these girls, these four girls that are taking a a ride. They're leaving. They're in Argentina and they're leaving their college town and heading to their hometown. And they get accosted on the way. And these people just decide to hunt them down and kill them. And I said, where'd you get that kind of idea? He goes, this crap happens in Argentina all the time. He said, after World War II, the Argentinians took in all these Nazis. Right. And they live there, and they've had families there, and they're like a, a ruling class. They paid off the government. They all have big positions, and they're literally untouchable. The Argentinians of German heritage that came from the Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. He said they do. They they have no laws. They're they fearless, and this kind of stuff happens. And so he said, so does the stuff that happened in rooms for tourists as well. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, the the movies make you feel something for sure. Right, right. And oh, yeah. I've talked to both directors, and they're both based not on a particular story, but on things that happen in their areas. And to me, like I, I thought about Hostel, the movie Hostel. And and for if if you want my opinion. The, the thing that bothered me so much about Hostel or any of those Hostel movies is the fact that, you know, people will do anything for money. And if the money is the motive, there's no way out. You're never going to get out because you can't appeal to the people's humanity and say, please don't. You know, they're doing it for money. And yeah, you're going to get chopped up. You're going to get tortured to death you're gonna get whatever it's the most horrifying it's the most mundane 
but horrifying reason out there because there ain't no arguing with it. And that's what that's what ruined a Serbian film for me. The scene where the director is actually explaining himself to the the the, the guy who who's like the main star. And I thought, wow, you just ruined this movie because you showed the director is doing all this because he's crazy. He's a nut. That take took all the power out. It's like we we all know nuts. Yeah, you know. But if the reason is simply to make money, just to me, I don't know personally, to me, to do horrible, horrible things simply for money is the worst reason in the world and you'll never be able to talk to those mafia guys or whoever out of it right because they want the money right yeah it's a, your your thing is definitely like you, you have it definitely affects you when people value money over human life as it should <laughs> as none of us yeah. should be very comfortable with that whatsoever <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah for sure you know who we could send down there to take care of all this mess though down in Argentina i think Ooh. we should send McBain <laughs> but Jerry, I always look forward to having you on this show and talking to you, visiting with you and your lovely family and everything. Again, I'd like to thank you on behalf of myself and Angie uh, for once again being hospitable Michigan hosts to us Illinoisians. Every, everybody at Synapse, I enjoyed seeing everybody. The only people I missed, I didn't get to see, next to Dave Kosanke, who I'm used to basically seeing him at Flashback these days. Was uh, Jenna Ryan? I didn't see Jenna Ryan. We were hoping to have a Jenna Ryan appearance, yeah. possibly, but I did not get to see them. But we're hoping soon we'll get to those two. Those two kids keep running around enjoying life together. Now you gotta yeah, have, you gotta well, take time to see me sometimes too. You know. Yeah. What, what's up with that? I don't know. A happy marriage. What are they trying to ruin it for the rest of us? <laughs> All right, Jerry. Well, uh, again, thanks for uh, thanks for talking to me, and therefore also talking to all of the fans and friends at Synapse. And um, it was a pleasure as always, Jerry. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. We will talk to you next time. Okay, my friend. Once again, thank you, Jerry Chandler, for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to the friends and fans of Synapse Films. Next up, we check in with Synapse Films road warrior extraordinaire, the Canadian crusher himself, Sean Provo. Sean and myself were at a recent convention together. We had a few moments at the table where it was a little quiet. So I said, hey, Sean, how would you like to answer a few convention-related questions for the podcast? And of course, Sean, being the gracious guy that he is, said, sure, let's do that. So this is the result of that and a segment I'm going to call A Few Minutes with Sean. Here we go. In your opinion... What is the best Don May restoration? Oh, fuck. <laughs> well, Suspiria, I mean, Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, The Kindred, Hot Dog, like I could go on all day. They're just, they're all good. And like, well, they're all incredible. I shouldn't say good. The word good doesn't apply to Don. It's, it's incredible because he just has a set of eyes like no other. So if I put a gun in your head, so pick one. 
Out of your favorites? Living Dead. Living Dead. So Living Dead at Manchester Market. Yeah. I like that one too. Uh, let's see here. What do you enjoy the most about being the Kung Fu salesman or Synapse at the conventions? The interactions with people. The interactions, helping Don and Jerry. I love those guys like brothers. They're like long lost brothers to me that, you know, we've been friends for a decade. Maybe more, but, you know, love those guys. So when I deal with people and I love cinema, I love talking cinema to people and back and forth interaction, dealing with different genres, subgenres. I can go on all day. You know, you've heard me, you've seen me. <laughs> so, you recently were talking to me about Thundercrack, which is which is one of the Synapse titles that is a very challenging film. There's some nods to old Universal horror. There's some nods to hardcore porn, definitely in the movie. So it's not for mixed company, let's say. Yeah. Um, so let's say a random quote. Let's say normal. Now that's that's covering a lot of ground. Let's right. say someone walks up, they're not wearing a certain kind of t-shirt. Yep. Let's say they're just wearing a, like a, a black shirt. Yep. No collar shirt and yep. just jeans. Uh, if they came up and they started handling Thundercrack, how would you handle that situation? First question, have you seen it? Do you know what it is? Yes, mo oh, most no. people. They don't know what it is. Right. I say, well, if you love your porn, if you love your David uh, Lynch Eraserhead era, really fucked up shit mixed with porn and a trip that you'll never forget, that's the movie for you. If you don't like porn or the hardcore or Lynch, stay away. It's not for everyone. It only applies to some people, not many, but it applies to some. So if you love really bizarre, crazy cinema that's over the top, gay porn, straight porn, hetero, whatever, it doesn't matter, it's in there. And with Don and Jerry's restoration, 40 minutes longer than the initial two hours, completely restored, took five years to do it, it's no holds barred. It's, 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 a, it's in a class of its own. There's nothing like it. Uh, what's your favorite convention to work? Horror Hound. Is it? Yes. Really? Yeah. What's your second favorite? Oh, boy. Uh, I would, I would probably say Horrorama in Toronto. You did a couple of conventions in Canada this past summer, correct? Yep. What were those? Which ones did you uh, Horrorama and Frightmare in the Falls. How were those? Uh, great. Uh, another one that's really good that I should ne uh, neglected to mention is Shockstock. Okay. Shockstock is in London, Ontario. It's incredible. It's fun. It's got a lot of all over the place range cult stuff. So it's kind of similar in some ways to Wasteland and Horrorama, but I guess it just depends on who's there, who I'm dealing with, the momentum of the show. I like momentum. I like movement. I don't want to chill. I like to be going, you know? Action. I like action. Yeah. Fellow Earthlings, a few minutes with Sean. We hope you enjoyed that. Next up, it's time for Rock and Rollson himself, Ryan Olson. Hey, Ryan. What's happening, dude? How's it going? Uh, going pretty well. So this time around, Senior Ryan, we are going to talk about the recent Synapse release, Black Circle. 
Now, Black Circle is not uh, a, let's say, legacy release. It's not an older film. This is a film that uh, actually has some executive producer, co-executive producers, I should say, on it that you and I know awfully well. They go by the names of Don May Jr. and Jerry Chandler. Huh. And uh, to show you how much we know, this was a big surprise to us. Uh, that Don and Jerry were co-executive producers on this film, Black Circle. And the other thing is there's an actress who has had some um, history with Synapse Films and who is also a producer on this film. And that person is... Well, you know, one of my favorites, Christina Lindbergh. Yes, yes. yes. So, Ryan, so yes. now... Now, Ryan and I both got this movie. Of course, neither of us knew anything about this. It was a surprise that Synapse had that big of a part, Don and Jerry had that big of a part uh, in bringing this movie to life. And now it's on a table and me and uh, Ryan have copies of it now. This is the first time we are seeing it. Uh, But at the same time, Ryan was excited because, Ryan, you tell me that uh, you've heard of Christina Lindbergh before. Have you heard of her before? Oh, yeah, you, you might say that. <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing a little bit. Ryan, Ryan is a fan. Ryan, so uh, yes, so you were pretty happy uh, to see that Black Circle came out and the uh, sort of return, right, of Christina Lindbergh. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I knew that she was making a new movie and that she was involved in it because um, uh, Rickard had talked about it and Another uh, friend of mine who's also an executive producer on there, his name is Andreas Tolman, shout out to that guy, uh, was also involved. And I knew that she was, you know, coming back and making a movie that was going to get a wider release. I mean, I think she's only done some shorts and Uh like one Swedish feature that, I mean, I don't, I've never even seen it from 2016 or I don't know if it's really available or not. But anyway, this was, this seems like kind of a bigger, wider release Uh uh, for her return to, you know, doing stuff because she hasn't really done stuff since the early eighties. And, uh, you know, I've, I mean, I love her. I've been a a big fan of her work and got to meet Ricard and that from when he came over to some of the conventions. Explain, explain who Ricard is to, to everybody. He's the head of Club Super 8, which is uh, a Swedish company. And uh, he's also a musician, plays in bands. Uh, his band Father and Son is uh, really cool, good stuff. You know, he's just an all-around incredibly talented dude. I mean, he, he's got a part in the movie, actually, which was really cool to see him in there. And he also created uh, a majority of the music for the soundtrack, which is great. It's really good stuff. It's got kind of a uh very 70s like european kind of italian flavor to it it's mm-hmm. really good I, I i really noticed the music a lot in the movie which was really cool but anyway he's a he's an awesome dude you know he's close with christina and he's been close with her for a long time uh you know he's the one that helped bring her over here when she came to the states because she's been to a couple conventions two of which that i was fortunate enough to be there as well uh, she was at Wasteland and that flashback weekend. And both times I was uh, given the honor to basically sit with her at her table and kind of, you know, help her out and, and make sure everything was cool with everything going on. So, I mean, got to sit there and basically hand out, hang out with Christina Lindbergh for 
those those two times that she's been there. And I mean, had to, had to, nicer, we had to twist your arm for that one, right? I mean, that was a oh my big God. decision to you make. Know, it was, yeah, it was really <laughs> tough. Really, such a horrible thing, man. Like, oh my God. Right. I mean, seriously, a, a nicer person you can't meet. I mean, right. I've been fortunate to meet a lot of cool, quote unquote, celebrities and stars and stuff. And through the years at cons, and I mean, she is absolutely just by far one of the nicest, sweetest, most amazing people that uh, you could possibly meet. And that, that's not, not even hyperbole. I, my, my words don't do justice, just how awesome she really is. And, uh, you know, it was just like, they always say, well, you should never meet your fans or your stars or whatever. And it's like, your no, heroes, no, yeah. she, uh, yeah, exactly. Hmm. It was, I, I'm so thankful that I did because as if I didn't already love her enough as it was and admire her and respect her, as a artist, I mean, it's like through the roof. She's amazing. I right. mean, definitely a top all time favorite. Her films, you know, especially in the seventies, the exploitation, of course, there was adult films and, and things, but this is something kind of a, this is a different kind of film. Okay. Now the director of this film, Adrian Garcia Bogliano has made some really, really cool films. And this guy has made, and we've talked about a little bit, you know, off off air, as we say, directed a film that I know both of us like a lot. And it has different titles. I think a lot, I think now it's called Night of the Wolf. I knew it as Late yeah. Phases. Same here. I, I knew the Same film here. as Late Phases. And it is a, such a well-written and interesting and unique werewolf horror film. I loved it. I just loved it. Um, and people who, if you haven't seen it, you check it out. It's different. It's like a werewolf uh, story that takes place in a retirement community. Another thing I like about this guy is that I have not seen two of his films that remotely are like the other one. I <laughs> find that fascinating. That is an artistic achievement, you know, if you yeah. ask me. Um, Black Circle, I would put it like this. It's not a film... For people who like very simple films, is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, t- to me, it's like a, it's kind of more of like a audio visual hallucinogenic experience. That's mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's more of something like that. Where I mean, what the basis of the movie is with the whole magnetization and hypnosis, you know, kind of focus on that. Is it almost feels like when you're watching it, like the movie itself is trying to hypnotize the viewer. It is. And you're right. like, you know, like to take you on this journey. And once you're in that world and you're sucked in and you're, you're hypnotized quote unquote, or magnetized as they, as they, they kind of differentiate between the two. Right. It really does kind of open it up to be like, okay, well now we can kind of go anywhere and do whatever we're going to do with that. Right. You know? Right. So, and it's kind of like uh, to, to what you're saying, it, the, it's the best way to try to simply try to explain what this movie is about. There's no way to really do that, but I'm going to try a little bit where there is a young lady who has, let's say a, she's sort of a free spirit and she has a sister that's a little more uptight. Let's just put it that way. And um, they're talking to each other and the one sister hands the other sister a record, a vinyl record. And says to listen to this record. And basically the record is is supposed to put you in a hypnotic state. 
and it does have something to do with like magnetism being involved with the hypnotic state. Very odd, very strange. But they, it's not like it's they're not like hiding it from you. They're just telling you something that's hard to digest, in a way. Yeah, if that makes yeah. sense. And then so as you listen to this record, you become hypnotized and fall deeper, deeper into a trance. And then I think the movie has a lot of what is part of the trance and what's not part of the trance, but it goes even further than that where people's personas almost split into two and become two separate entities. And they're both vying for control of the other one. Well, it's kind of a little bit of a invasion of the body snatchers type element to it as well, because you're supposed to listen to the record while you're going to sleep. And, you know, if you're woke up or something happens during that period, you can see how like it's physically affecting them as well. And what they kind of say, at least from my understanding of is that they, it's drawing, like you said, it's kind of separating the person into two different entities and they call it an ethereal double is what the other is. And it's like, like you said, they're kind of vying for control over one or the other. But obviously it's got this, you know, there's a lot of wacky effects and results from this happening with, you know, listening to this record. Right, right. Then things start to unravel, you know, as exactly. it, as, as it goes forward. Um, one thing that uh, I, we were we were texting back and forth when I think when you were watching it, and I think I just watched it or whatnot, and... I said to you, and this is, I think, a real good way of, of explaining this to you. This is not for people who like simple movies. It's for people who like to solve puzzles. And my wife, Angie, loves to do like crossword puzzles. And she was mesmerized by this film, I could tell. She was completely drawn into this film. It's a unique, quirky film. And and it's it's kind of complex in a way where... You have to be. You have to put your intellectual hat on to listen to what they're saying because they're 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 spelling everything out for you, telling you what's going on, and it's almost like your own disbelief in what they're saying is what what you have a hard time with. So they're telling you something. You're like, what now? Now what's going on? And then, like you said, it, it's very hypnotic itself. The movie itself. It even starts off with kind of a hypnotic, suggestive, like kind of moment. Well, it's very high concept. I mean, it's like very high-minded in terms of like the subject matter of what they're tackling. I mean, it, 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 it also touches on things that, you know, if they were to do a sequel or if they're, if maybe they would have had a bigger budget would have been interesting to see when those elements could potentially come into play because it, it, it's almost feels like you're scratching the surface of it and there's still, so much more that could be explored. Like you're kind of cracking the door open a little bit, but you're not like, you know, there, there's a lot of room to expand and to go further into this concept. You know, it's, it's got a lot of intellectual ideas. They're approaching it, it from a very scientific point of view with a lot of stuff and the way that they're, you know, tackling these things and doing stuff. It's like very out there. Well, and then as things start to unravel, the, the two sisters, they come in contact with Christina Lindbergh. Christina Lindbergh was the person who was on the album, correct? Yeah, well, she was like kind of the lead. I guess her and her dad were like the ones that kind of 
you know, created this. Right. And, the theory like, of magnetic know, they, hip, hypnosis, basically, in a way. And yeah, magnetization. Yes. I mean, they, she she was kind of the one they were, you know, behind it that's kind of scratched the surface and ended up, you know, breaking into it. And there was also the the Morton character that was another one who worked with them, you know, back. And he's he's brought into it too. So as things unravel, they seek out help, and they seek that help from the person who's actually on the record. And that person explains, and that's Christina Lindbergh, and she yeah. with Morton explains the problem with the record and what they're going through. And then she tries to help them out of the situation because basically she's the only one that knows what's going on because her and her father kind of developed this process, basically right. process, basically. And and so therefore, it's kind of a story where you get handed something that you don't know what to do with. That thing starts to make the main characters' lives unravel. And those people go to the source to find help, where they were going through processes trying to do almost what you consider a non-religious exorcism. She does also kind of bring up, I mean, the Lena character, which is Christina Lindbergh's character. She does bring up how, you know, it's basically what they're doing is almost an exorcism in reverse mm -hmm, because right. you have these, they get split into the ethereal double. And the point is that the double gets stronger and stronger as you listen to this record more and more until eventually it's all that's left and you're gone. And then you're, you know, so they're trying to prevent that by bringing them two paths back together again in what she described in the movie as a reverse exorcism. But this is the thing though, is it's not like a, when they call it a reverse exorcism, it's not one done with priests and robes and chanting and all that stuff. It's done. It's pulled off with scientific instruments and like instrumentation. And then you also bring in these other, the other Selma and Victor character who have psychic abilities because they've tapped into this, other world of where the that is dominated by this being called the supreme which is like supposedly the like the protector or the overseer of the psychic realm and kind of needs to make sure that everything stays balanced and that people don't screw that up that comes into play but you know that's that's another element of the movie that you know it'd be interesting to see would they expand upon that more eventually, maybe in a future movie? It feels almost like that kind of movie, like an exorcism film or like an 80s uh, supernatural haunting film where they would go to ghost hunters. I guess that's not really just the 80s, but, you know, like where, where uh, the people are having paranormal problems in the house and they go yeah. to, quote, experts yeah. and those experts yeah. come in and try to help them. I think exorcism yep. films are very similar where people are finally like, there's something wrong with me. I need help, you know, and they go well, to... Like poltergeist. Yes, and then as, as these things start to add up, everything being added up seems to be harder and harder to swallow. And that's just the way the story is built, that you're going to this more fantastic conclusion of what's going on. I felt like as a filmmaking technique, it seemed like as those things were getting added up, the filmmaking techniques became less hallucinatory. So it was almost, it was almost sinking you into the story and making it real. And I think it makes the film more compelling. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it it definitely it felt like watching the movie. Like you were like it was like you said, like it almost like it magnetizes you. Like right. you're being magnetized as well. You know, that, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of open to somewhat interpretation of it. But like you said, yes, as things do 
you know, you get it, everything gets explained to you and then you kind of get drawn into, okay, well, here's what they're trying to achieve. I mean, it still has a lot of wacky stuff. I mean, especially when you get to the climactic moment when they're trying to bring Issa back to be one person again, you know, it does get kind of wild and wacky where it's like, okay, what's going on here? What is she, you know, what, what are we seeing? What is it? You know, it's like, you're seeing the things through her eyes and it's like, well, is that the real Issa or is that the double? And what is she seeing? That's like, you know, there's a lot of stuff where it's like, okay, we're seeing what she's seeing. So it's kind of like more in her head as opposed to like, is that real? What's actually happening there? You right, know? right. 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 So it all comes to a head and then it ends and you're like, boy, oh boy. <laughs> right. Right. And I think what I, it, what's, what I like about it is that it's, it's a challenging movie. It doesn't leave you behind, though. It doesn't leave the audience behind. And that, I think it's kind of part of it. It, it. it allows itself to have a lot of artistic endeavors in it. A lot of quirks, twists. Like you said, some unanswered curiosities and things like that. But it never yeah. leaves you behind to where you feel like, I'm lost. Now, this isn't a movie yeah. that's background noise to a poker game. And you're going to expect yeah. to know what the hell's going on. If you sit down yeah. and just mildly invest yourself, it will it will bring you into it. And it yeah. doesn't leave you behind, and it treats you. It treats you with respect. That's what I yeah. like about. It. There are some movies that feel like they're just artsy for artsy's sake. No, there's right. something going on under yeah. here. Something I like about everything that I've seen that uh, Bogliano has done, the director, yeah. is these have all been interesting ideas written well. I'm not saying everything's perfect. But there was some writing and some story going on here. It wasn't just a new way to show a knifing. Yeah. It wasn't just a new way to show the same thing. This was a right. this was a different idea, written well. And you, if you mildly invest yourself, you you're in. It doesn't leave you behind. It's not trying to confuse you for confusion's sake. It's it's a friendly movie as far as it's not trying to make you feel stupid. It's smart, and it's inviting you in, saying, "Let's be smart together." Check this out. This is a cool idea. I'm really curious, going to be curious to see it again and see what a subsequent viewings do because the first time it is a bit of sensory overload, and you are just kind of like so, like, "Holy cow!" What is, all this stuff coming out of left field and all over the place. But at the same time, like you said, there is enough of a thread for you to grab onto and to hold onto and kind of keep propelling yourself through it. It's not like you said, where it leaves you behind. You're just kind of lost. I mean, if you're not watching the movie and paying attention, you will get lost. I mean, I could see how that would happen. It's not like you said, it's not a background movie. I mean, you have to sit and watch it and definitely make sure that you're, you know, devoting your attention to it. You know, it's not a, I'm going to have my phone in my hand and have the movie on kind of watching movie. That's not, you know, that's not going to work. <laughs> right, right. One thing you said made me grin while you said it a minute ago, because this is exactly what I was going to say, too. It's one of the few films that I want to go back and watch again, not because I feel like uh, I don't get it. It's because I feel like I do get it, but I feel like I might have missed some of the signposts on the way there, and I want to go back and catch those again. And it's an easy enough movie to watch to do that. Yeah. That's a oh, circus yeah. trick with this kind of movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to me. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely one of those people that I don't need to have everything spelled out for me, put in a ni nice, neat little box. 
I like stuff that is challenging that, you know, forces me to use my brain and actually think about stuff and that afterwards leaves you thinking and pondering and going, Hmm, because, you know, I mean, I, I don't need to just sit there with a bucket of popcorn and drool for 90 minutes or whatever, you know, and then have it all be done. It's like the best stuff is the stuff that kind of affects you and makes you think and go deeper into things. I mean, that to me is, is definitely something that I appreciate. I mean, I have late phases is the only movie that I've seen uh, previously by this director. Uh-huh. I love that movie. I mean, I uh-huh. got that, I bought it like right when it came out because dark sky put it out, if I remember correctly. And, you know, they were doing all kinds of uh, cool stuff at that time. And it was a, uh, I mean, I like, I'm a sucker for werewolf movies. So me too, of me course, too. sign yeah. me up. I'll try them all. Cool. Most of them and suck, I mean, but Nick I'll try Dimitri's them. She's great in it. And, oh yeah. You know, the, the idea of what they did with the concept of the werewolves is really neat. So, I mean, that was definitely uh, cool stuff. And then I actually didn't even realize, put two and two together originally or right away that, this was made by the same guy. And then right. after, you know, digging into it, after watching it going, Oh man, it's that. It's like, okay, well, I, yep, I did that the same makes thing. some sense. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and again, you know, of course, bringing Christina back is just awesome because I mean, she just electrifies the screen. I mean, she comes on there and you know, she's such a presence. She's still such a force. And like, it's great how she does so much with a lot of subtle stuff. You know, she's not like this overly animated character, but she doesn't have to be. And yet she still captivates you and you're totally like sucked in. And when she is on screen, she has this presence that just really is, you know, captivating. That's awesome. I mean, you know, the uh, Celeste and Isa characters, I mean, they're, you know, they're great. I mean, all the, all the, the cast is really, really cool. Which one thing that I thought was interesting was that Isa and her double are actually played by twins. Oh, okay. That they had I, in I did there. Not, so I that did was not cool. Pick up on that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There it was actually uh, twins. They had play that, which, you know, I was talking to Rickard about it and he ended up telling me, he was like, yeah, there was uh, a really weird thing with the making of the movie is that there was a bunch of different twins that were involved in the mo- produce production of the movie huh. there. <laughs> so uh, there was a producer, Andrea and her sister Alejandra that were uh, twins. And then there was the dad that you see in the flashbacks. His brother is uh, part of the B unit or something. And he were twins. He was like, it's just very strange that they had all these different, you know, I mean, it's behind the scenes. So it's not something you're going to notice other than obviously, you know, the easy character has both sisters playing, one and the other uh-huh. on, in the movie, but it's you know just weird little quirky coincidences with that. I thought it was you know kind of interesting. Right, right. Uh, the release uh, Black Circle also comes with a compact disc on yes. the on the release yes. too, which is cool too. I know a lot of yeah, people yeah. really enjoy listening to those you know the, yeah. the the soundtracks isolated. It's really cool. It's a really cool package, and the extras on there are great. I mean, there's a great. Uh, nearly hour-long sit-down conversation with the director and Christina where she kind of goes throughout her career and talks about stuff, and that's awesome. I mean, the, there's a cool behind-the-scenes thing on there and, you know, a bunch of cool extras. I mean, obviously, the soundtrack is great if you're a soundtrack person like me. So what are your, what are your like, general thoughts? What are your final thoughts on the, on the, the film and the release as a whole? 
Well, I mean, the whole release is fantastic. I mean, it's top notch as you expect from Synapse. You know, um, you get a really nice package. I mean, obviously the CD is a great bonus. Always a good thing to have that in there when you can. And uh, it looks great. I mean, the extras are cool. Definitely uh, worth look. I mean, if you're a fan of Christina Lindbergh, it's a must-have just for that alone. I mean, yes, it's not the uh, exploitative, you know, stuff where she's taking her clothes off or stuff like that. But I mean, that's not the point. That's not what this movie's about, for one. So I mean, if that's all you care about, then obviously it won't be for you. But I mean, to see her get this really great meaty role that she gets to play, and to see how well she really just knocks it out of the park and and does such a great job and she just has that it just shows you that that powerful presence that she has so much more than just her being in a state of undress not that i'm ever going to complain about that it's a great bonus (laughs) from the old movies of course but even back then she really has a lot of more to the characters and tried to put more into there which is one of the great things about the conversation with her that's the extra on there because a lot of that stuff that she talks about on there was things that her and I talked about just while we were hanging out at the table during the conventions and stuff. We, you know, she really got into a lot of things about, you know, where, what she was coming from and where she was going and her mindset and things. And it was really fascinating and interesting to see that. Like she tried to put a lot of herself into the characters that she played, even in, some of those movies where it was just, hey, we, you know, it's an excuse to get her in a state of undress. She still always approached it with trying to do more and to bring more to the character than just the sex appeal part. I mean, that, you know, is there. And again, like I said, that uh, that conversation with her was re- it's really good. And it's really, you know, interesting because she really does open up about her process and her experiences and. I mean, it's great stuff. Like I said, for those of us who are fans, I mean, you really, it's really worth it. And again, you know, I'm just over the moon to see her get a, a a great role like this because she richly deserves it. And, you know, it's great to see that, you know, uh, club super eight, hopefully having the success with this, but also with synapse and that a great collaboration. I mean, they've collaborated for a long time and it's great to see that they still are continuing to do that i mean you know i can't say enough about rickard and andreas and that stuff you know and of course i love don and jerry so i mean you know that's that that goes without saying i mean they're right. family to me right so it's it's just great to see all of this come together in this killer package and this really cool movie yeah look we know everybody at synapse knows we all know it's a little more difficult to like if you're looking at let's say five movies on a table at a convention or if you're on a website you're looking at five movies what to buy the unknown is always more of a risk and it's always you might want to buy prom night or you might want to buy suspiria and see black circle and just go "Eh." all i can say is if you're curious enough to where you're on the fence i promise you it's a good movie i promise you it's a good movie it is a it is a good film and if you like Movies that are sort of a puzzle to put together. It's that kind of movie. But it, but you can follow it and it does not leave you in the dust. 
Yep. All right, Ryan. Well, we will uh, we'll talk to you here again soon on the show. Uh, but for now, Ryan, thanks for talking, and we'll chat with you next time. Sounds great, man. Always a pleasure, bud. Take it easy. Thank you, Ryan, as always, for taking your time and giving us your in-depth expert opinion and observations on the film Black Circle. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Synapse Films podcast. And remember, if you have any questions or comments regarding the podcast or Synapse Films, send me an email at tim at synapsefilms.com and I'd be glad to answer any questions you may have or even forward them along to Don or Jerry if I cannot answer them myself. Again, tim at synapsefilms.com. It was an honor and a pleasure to be your tour guide on this journey into all things Synapse Films. Until we meet again, be safe, be good to each other, and be right back here next time for the next episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. We couldn't be here without you, the fans. So from the bottom of our hearts, we thank you for your continuing support of Synapse Films. I'm tired of being upset, always worse, but never again.